Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. G'day and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, very excited to be jumping back into Survivor, this time getting into the Australian season, coming off Survivor Season 43 uh, over in the United States. So today, as far as the what, the what is Survivor Australia Heroes vs. Villains. Uh, this is all about first impressions. So I've watched the first three episodes uh, the main focus of this podcast is going to be on the first initial episode, like my genuine first impressions, uh, but there were a couple of things in the following episodes that I do get uh, want to get into as well. So we've got Survivor, Australia, I can't speak English, less than two minutes into this, uh, and it's on Channel 10, so shout out to Channel 10 for putting this on, and 10Play for allowing me to watch it easily from the comfort of my own home. Now, what's going down on the podcast today? We are doing first impressions. Uh, as I said, mainly covering the first episode. I wrote just notes as I was watching it. So I'm just going to go through the notes, and I think I can cover most things. Uh, skimmed over a couple of parts, but there was a lot to get into. So I'll be going through the notes. Mainly first impressions today, as I've said. And if you enjoy the podcast, do not forget to follow us over on Instagram, at not just a sports report and you can also follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on and you'll be able to hear as soon as all the season podcasts drop because i'll be doing this uh the whole season just like in three episodes by three episodes now where's this taking place they are returning to samoa once again so back where it all began and look as far as survivor worldwide i really think australia holds its own now I was disappointed with the American season, not like anything that I was like super bummed about. I even really liked the winner Gabler. I liked most of the players in the game, but I just felt like it lacked an edge. And I'll say immediately without giving it uh, too much away, I was coming in a little bit low on Survivor for the first time in my life. I was like, far out, I gotta do a podcast. I got to get enthusiastic, but I was like, I'm struggling to even tune into the episodes on time. So, yeah, I was not too sure where things were going to go heading into this Australian season. Uh, but look, it's got me hooked once again. Definitely, I must say. And I was coming in like I wasn't too sure about the returning players as far as like the casting. To be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of having returning players, especially someone like Shawnee playing three times. That was my first impression before even entering the season. But again, without giving too much away, I've, I've totally changed my tune. Like the casting has been phenomenal. And just after the first episode, I was like, oh, oh I'm back. It's longer as well. Like Australia, 47 days, I believe, as opposed to a measly 26 days of Survivor US. And I just, I will still watch and I'll still love it, but it just doesn't hit the same. Like day 26, it's like, eh, get to like day 30. Shit gets real, you know? Like I feel like the longer format and the extra days makes a huge difference. Like it really adds an extra element once they've been out there for that long. I know 26 days, still a while, but look, I'ma just say it from my heart, from the bottom of my heart. I love the longer days, it's fucking dope. And that is what really wins me over as far as the Australian survivor. I'm like, you're gonna give me more than one episode a week? You're gonna give me an appropriate amount of days? Like, say less. I'm there, I'm here, and I'm pumped to get into the first episode. Uh, just reading through my notes as well, had a little bit, little couple of things I wrote before I got into the episode. 
Um, yeah, I said I would prefer fresh faces that was going into this, but we do have some really quality fresh faces on this season. And look, going in, I thought the narrative clearly centered around the George versus Haley. Even though they're friends, there's a lot to dissect. I mean, this is just the introduction to the podcast, so I'm not going to go too deep. And of course, my favorite piece of casting this whole season, and the first little tidbit, I was loving the Survivor uh, cast announcements on Instagram. I know it's on like Channel 10 or something, but I was just following it on Instagram when Fraser Lack got announced. My goodness. I was already there. I was like, yep, yeah, all right. That was really what got me pumped. And yeah, now that I've seen the first three episodes, oh, it's good. It's good. So let's get into the episode right now. Nothing else to do but get amongst it. Survivor Australia, heroes versus villains. These are the first impressions. All right, let's just jump straight into it with the heroes tribe. So before we get into the episode, let's let's introduce the tribes. They're, they're pretty big. I was like, I like it. I like it. There you go. There's a first impression for you already. Some big tribes. Big tribes. Big numbers. Oof. I'm ready. All right. Heroes Tribe. Fronted by Haley Leak. She kind of seems like the captain. Of course, she was the winner of Brains vs. Brawn. And it seems like she's like the most spotlighted and featured hero in terms of promotion and marketing. And George is the same for the villains. They're kind of like the face of their tribes, if that makes sense. That does make sense, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, and they were on Talking Tribal. Like, There's like a whole story there. So Haley Leak, she's the number one threat in the game, no doubt. As far as my first impression of Haley, uh, it's unfortunate how many times in my life I've spoiled things for myself. But... I accidentally, like I wasn't even going to bet on it. I just somehow stumbled onto betting odds just before the season started. And I saw the name Haley as favorite and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So yeah, I've spoiled a lot of things for myself. Googling, I spoiled a lot of early Survivor by being like, where are they now? It's like, oh, where's Amber? Oh shit, she wins all stars. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I've spoiled a lot a lot of things for myself unfortunately nowadays i just i have a strict rule i don't google even for like research for the podcast i'm not googling about them and i just yeah i know no more spoilers i've had enough so my first impressions of Haley, it was like i knew she was gonna win or i had this really strong feeling that she was gonna win but actually seeing it play out i was like okay She's a real deal. And I was watching Talking Tribal afterwards with Khan Ong, uh, like Brooke Jowett, I believe her name is, and Shannon Gus. And Shannon Gus, it's the first I've actually seen of her, but she made a really good point. I was like, I think like she was on Talking Tribal last season, I believe, which I didn't keep up with, but she was smashing out mad points. I was like, we got a fucking super fan here. And yeah, I was like, this... As someone who's just, you know, doing a Survivor podcast, I was like, this is something to aspire to get to this lady's knowledge of the game. And I really like the vibe of the show, Talking Tribal, but I'm not, I can't go on too many tangents. This is just the first member of the Heroes Tribe. Uh, but Shannon Gus made a really good point that she believes Haley on any season, either countries like South Africa, fucking US, Australia, um, that Haley could adapt and win in any season. And like, I was like, I totally understand that. Haley is a very, very intelligent player, but of course, the biggest target in the entire game. And everyone's going to want to add that name to their resume. So we've got Haley Leak on the Heroes Tribe, uh, David Zaharakis. First impression, I was like, I know that guy. He played football on the tally. I do know that guy. Former Essendon player in the AFL. And there is that potential link with Sean Hampson, of course. Um, both AFL players in the past, both, you know, played around the exact same time. So even though I'm sure they're not like close mates or anything, there's a link. 
there is a link there. And there are plenty of links throughout this whole game. Uh, that was one thing initially, as I said, I've changed my tune. Uh, but initially I was like, oh, I don't know about these returning players because they all know each other outside of the game. Uh, but I think the way that it's been cast, there are enough kind of wild cards and like some of these bits of casting, like Stevie coming back to get Shawnee and get his revenge. Like not all of these people are strong enough friends, you know, to get in the way of gameplay. And they've cast a lot of really strong players who, yeah, you can just tell. Like everyone who would be close friends and returning to the game, they're all expecting like a blindside. There's no friends in the game of Survivor, even though it is a very social game. Then, of course, you've got Nina Twine, the daughter of one of the Survivor goats, the Queen Sandra. Uh, both of them, my first impression was that I loved the addition. Obviously, Sandra is a legend of the American Survivor, so to have her come over with her daughter and all the elements that Blood vs. Water had, I really liked. Like, first impression of Nina, I was like, this is awesome. Now we've got Sandra's daughter, and it's here in Australia. So it totally changes the game. I think if it's the American Survivor, they just fully target her. But she did really well, and then she actually exited... I believe she got injured. Like, I remember she got her time cut short. My memory is hazy at the best of times, but she's back for another go, and she definitely deserved it. She's a massive threat in this game as well, is Nina, and she made a point that she's a hero raised by one of the all-time great Survivor villains. So another great piece of casting there. We have Sean Hampson, another former AFL footballer, as I mentioned, could be a link there with David Zarakis. First impression, now he's played before, but going into this season, massive challenge beast, and there is going to be a target over him throughout this whole game. Although, judging from what I've seen early, someone like Shawnee may look to use Sean as an ultimate shield and work with him, and if he's winning immunity challenges that deep, well, he could be a good ally, but I think he's going to be someone who has constant targets once it gets a little bit deeper in the game. And he, as I mentioned, is a returning Survivor player. Then we have Benjamin Law. It's his first time playing the game, a fresh face amongst a sea of returnees. He's an author and a journalist. And I really think Benjamin Law could be a dark horse to take this entire season by storm. He seems very socially aware. I don't think he's going to be perceived as a threat, I mean, especially with so many returning players. And I think that could hold him in really good stead. Like, I think people will be looking at a Sean Hampson or a Shawnee or a Haley or a George, and that could allow someone like Benjamin to slip through the cracks and really make an impact in this game. Then you've got Rogue Rubin, a wildlife activist. Rogue is the perfect name for her. She fucking went rogue on, like, day one. Now, my first impression, I'm like, this lady's a legit hero. She's a wildlife activist. Uh, but there were a couple of things in the episode, the first episode, where, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know anymore. My first impression definitely isn't my second impression. And it looks like she's going to ruffle some feathers at her tribe, which I'll get into shortly. But I love it. So a couple of things she said, I was like, oh, I don't love that. But I love it. I love having someone on a, the Heroes tribe where they're all, like, heroes. Everyone is so nice. Like, so it's such, such a good element having Rogue doing exactly that, going Rogue. Then you've got Flick Pal Palmatier, I believe. I, sorry, Flick, um, for saying your last name wrong. I know she'd be very upset. Uh, she's another returning player. And yeah, I remember watching her play last time. Really, really strong player. And her mum actually passed away while Flick was competing on the season. Uh, don't fact check me on that. I'm pretty, like, very sure that's what happened. But again, I can't Google anything because who knows? I might check Flick into Google and it'll be like, Flick, heroes versus villains winners. I'm just like, no. Uh, so yeah, Flick, she's coming back this time as well. I mean, something like your mum not being well is a heavy burden to carry on the game of Survivor. Like, the game of Survivor would seem so small 
in comparison, but you're still not eating. Like you're absolutely roughing it in the survivor elements. That's one thing I must say as well with the Australian survivor. I think they've still got that survival element, which I've always loved. They just seem to be wearing the brunt of it a little bit more. And yeah, I hope that made sense. Whereas, yeah, again, 26 days for the American survivor. I'm just like, are you guys really even roughing it? You know, I'm sure they are. But yeah, Australia, it's hitting different and I'm loving it. But yeah, Flick, without that huge burden this time around, that could free her up to play an awesome game. Like this time she can really just fully go all in on her survivor game. And that could work out really well for her. Then you've got Shani Vinson. I've really liked what I've seen and heard from her early. Uh, it's a bit too early to make like a genuine assessment, but I mean, a thumbs up, thumbs down, definitely thumbs up. I like Shani. Uh, then we got Paige Donald, Outback Jillaroo. Our first impression in one of the episodes, maybe t episode two or three, uh, my first impression was her telling the tribe to quit yarning and get into their work. I was like, I wonder how I'd go with that, like if that happened on the tribe, like I'd kind of be like, oh, all right, you know, like, okay, Paige Donald, Outback Jillaroo. But then I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? I would be yarning and maybe it's good. Maybe it's actually really good to have someone on the tribe being like, you know, let's, let's get our shit in order. So yeah, I like Paige Donald, Outback Jillaroo, uh, Jerry Gelch, tourism pilot, bit of an older gentleman as well. I'm not sure if he's played before. I must say I haven't seen him. So I'm sorry. Again, I can't Google. No more spoilers. But I'm vibing Jerry. I like him. I'm a fan. Uh, and he's an interesting character amongst the entire tribe, which is very dynamic. Then you've got Matt Sharp, the lifeguard, the golden boy of Queensland. Uh, I really like his addition to the season as well because he just seems so fresh-faced and just like stoked to be there and just like the like kind of like a puppy dog you know like just really friendly and super stoked and um i mean there's gonna be some shit go down that's the thing i'm like are we gonna see him get like blindsided because he is happy to be there or is this lifeguard i mean i'm excited to see is he gonna come out and start making maybe a couple of villainous moves you know really turn the tide but he is a hero. He's a lifeguard. He seems to be very proud of that as well. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Congratulations to him. Um, but yeah, he seems like a hero through and through. I don't know if he's going to embrace the villain, but I'm excited to see how that all plays out. Then we've got Sam Webb. He's a returning player. Uh, interested to see how he goes. I haven't seen a whole heap of him in the first three episodes. And then, of course, the villains. Let's get into the villains. And I know that King George is kind of the whole centerpiece of the villains, which is a stacked tribe, very stacked tribe in terms of the returning players. But firstly, on the villains tribe, I want to get to a villain. I mean, he's a real estate agent, natural villain, no doubt. Most villainous or one of the most villainous kind of occupations. Very rarely do you ever hear someone talk glowingly about real estate agents. And then the, to the contrary, I mean, how many times have you heard extremely dodgy and just shitty vibe fucking interactions with real estate agents? So he's a villain that is honestly my hero. Like whoever came up with this piece of casting, kudos to you. I'm talking about Fraser Lack, a lord of property 100% through and through. I mean, when he got announced, I was shut your lips. I am there. And the wisdom that he imparts on social media, they're, they're kind of leaning into it here on Survivor. They're giving him a bit of time at a tribal council to sum up his thoughts. And I am loving it. I was really nervous that they were going to get rid of him early. And they didn't. We haven't even really heard. I don't think we have heard his name bandied about. So I'm excited. I'm enjoying it a lot. And the longer Fraser Lack is in the game, I mean, the more I'm watching. And casual fans as well. 
Like, I know that they're bringing returning players back. Cause I don't know. I don't follow, like, the ratings and shit, but I think they needed to just uh, ramp it up. That's why they brought people back. But Fraser Lack is someone that brings casual viewers who don't even care about Survivor. Now you bring in fresh faces, new set of eyeballs, maybe some people coming back to watch, and they've watched it in the past. I know I was out for beers and a meal recently. Fraser Lack came up, as he does in conversation, and mates that don't even watch Survivor were like, yep, I'm there, I'm going to watch it. And I was like, how good? So Fraser Lack, that is definitely my favourite piece of casting. Who else have we got? Let me just pull up my notes. I had to... Fraser Lack, that one, I just, from the heart, just spoke straight from my brain. Now, we've also got Anjali, or Anjali. She's a journalist, a news anchor, uh, very evil, very evil. Uh, Sky News, she did work for, so they are actually kind of evil. Uh, I won't get into that anyway. Anjali, I like that bit of casting as well. She, she was there, she was calling it out, she's like, this game... Is so dramatic. You guys just love the drama. Like, more talking to the producers and shit. Like, oh, you guys just, you know, this is very dramatic. Putting, like, you know, torches out and stuff. So I really liked Anjali. She had the British accent. Uh, we'll get to her soon, though. King George of Bankstown has rocked up with an idle tattoo. Looking a bit more buff, a bit more hench this season as well. He's definitely come more dramatic, that's for sure. Uh, dramatic behaviour at the absolute maximum. But I like it. He's, he's going all in. He's coming to put on a show. And at the end of the day, I'm down for that. He's been in the gym for sure to prepare for the season. You can tell he's learnt some lessons from the first time around. It seems like one thing he's taken on board is that he just needs to be a couple of levels up in terms of like his fitness and his actual like size and how to actually physically go about this game, which the Australian Survivor is very physical, significantly more physical than the American Survivor in terms of the challenges. So George, he's gone away. He's clearly made some adjustments. I mean, in terms of his social game and like his strategy and all that other stuff, like non-physical aspects of the game, he, he already has a pretty good idea on where he stands with all of that. So, I mean, George, he's here to play. Now, my first impression of George when he last played, I absolutely loved him. I was like, who is this guy? How is this guy rolling around Bankstown? And yeah, I loved it. So it's another piece of casting where I'm like, you know what? I'll pay it. Bring him back. He was hilarious the first time around. Seriously menacing gameplay. And we'll have to see, because there is a big target on his back, so is he going to last into deep territory, or are they going to get rid of him pretty early? Then we have Shawnee, who featured really heavily in the first three episodes. It is her third time playing the game. She did say, like, inflation is a bitch, and I'm, it is. I was like, you know what? Even just on that basis, I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. Come back and play a third time. I was like... Yeah, everything's going up in price, but again, I can't go on all these little side quests. This is all about the tribes. Now, Shawnee, she looks like she's going to be a big, like, featured player for as long as she's in the game. Already had a lot of screen time, and she's brought a lot. Like, every time she's been in a scene, she's offered something. Her gameplay is really at the forefront of these early stages, and she's making some great moves. Nothing too major, but just... Really subtle move. So Shawnee, at first I wasn't that keen to see her play for a third time, but already after the first episode, I was like, Shawnee's won me over. Like the casting's just been so on point. That is one of the things I must stress. The casting is absolutely on point. Then we have Sarah, Miss World Australia. Her first time playing the game, and she's really embracing the villain tag. I'm a huge fan. I love that she's come out. We haven't seen her play before. And she's really leaning in to the villain kind of behavior. I like Sarah. I, I gotta say, like, she packs a punch. That's just what I'm looking for. I felt like the last American Survivor season, season 43, just everyone was so kumbaya. It was like heroes versus heroes, you know? Like, everyone was very extraordinary. And everyone was just like, I don't know, up until 
like Jesse made a move on Cody for anyone that watched it. I don't know. It it was good, but I just I love this. I love what I'm seeing from Australia. Like we have so many villains rolling around. We've got heroes who are making big moves. And yeah, just like the villains tribe, it's a whole tribe that packs a punch. It's a whole tribe of blindsiders and just chaotic gameplay. And I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, next up, but yeah, let me get back to Sarah quickly. Huge fan. Like, she's exactly the kind of player I want to see. I'm like, fucking oath. Uh, and the first Tribal Council, I'll get to that as well later, but the villains made a big decision in terms of the vote. And the one that actually made the call, like the one that vocalized it and before they went ahead with it, was Sarah. And it was a villainous move. So she is here really to get amongst that villain tag. Then we've got the Joker, Geordie, who I guess he's like an anti-hero kind of vibe. He, in Blood vs. Water, got badly fucked over, him and his brother, with uh, the idol play. And Sam and Mark, there was that whole thing where that was the narrative for ages in Blood vs. Water. It was like Sam and Mark against Geordie after they brutally blindsided Jesse. Now, Geordie was an awesome player. I definitely felt like they were going to bring him back at some stage. He's worthy of a second opportunity. And look, the Blood vs. Water concept, he came out with his brother last time, and Geordie stole the show. He was one of the main players of that season. Now he can come out. He doesn't have to worry about having his brother's back, potentially having to write his brother's name down, although I don't think he ever would have done that. There's a lot at stake, so he doesn't have to worry about his brother this time. Geordie gets to come as a standalone player and have another crack at taking out the title of Soul Survivor. He's also been having a huge bromance with Simon. They are getting along like a house on fire. Love to see it. Then we have Liz Parnov, an Olympic pole vaulter. I'm going to say it. She's my pick to win. If I could just choose one player, I think Nina's a huge threat as well. But I'm a huge fan of Liz Parnov. Not as an Olympic pole vaulter, like to be honest, I don't dabble too much in the Olympics or pole vaulting. Kind of controversial, like I'm not a huge Olympics fan, but again, there's a lot of rabbit holes I could be going down here. Uh, but Liz Parnov, she's got a really strong alliance with Shawnee early. She is shielded by one of the game's biggest targets. She's building relationships with major players like Shawnee and also George. I think Liz Parnov, look, I don't think I've ever picked the winner from the get-go. And I don't really care about the speculation and stuff. The beauty of Survivor is just watching it play out. But Liz Parnov, she's just got a bit of, bit of that X factor about her, where I do think she's someone who's a major chance to win. Then we've got Simon. I loved Simon the first time around. I'm enjoying him a lot on his return as well. He spoke early about his redemption arc, had said he had to keep his ego in check. To be honest, he's not been very low-key early. Like his, He was like, yep, this time, keep the ego in check. Now he's running around burning King George's hat and things, which I'll get to that as well. But Simon, he's coming out, guns blazing pretty early. I'm enjoying his contribution to the season. Then we have Stevie. Oh, I could talk about Stevie for an hour. I've heard some people be like, why is this guy back? And yeah, people laugh at him. It's like a joke. But look, I don't think he's going to win. But I love Stevie. I'm like, yes, yes, bring this guy on. He's like a delivery driver. He's a returning player. Like they're like, yep, you can come back. You can come back for sure. And there would be people on his season. Like you give Stevie the call before me. But that's why the casting's been on point, because we don't need just another, any returning player. When we could have someone like Stevie, and Shawnee's there. And Shawnee, she's a big dog. She's trying to, you know, be subtle, not put a huge target on her back. But the target's already there. Stevie is watching. He's been waiting for four years to get his revenge. Do I think he's going to get it? Probably not. But Stevie had me in stitches during this first episode. I was loving it. So another fantastic piece of casting. We have Mimi Tang. 
said in her tagline, a fast and furious villain. There you go. And she's adding some fresh gameplay. It's her first attempt at Survivor, so I like that. Got a few new players, and I'm all about seeing some fresh faces who haven't had that experience, and they're just coming in, and it's like, you know, you just get that one shot, potentially. Then we have Michael, a journalist. Look, once, George, uh, once George's head on a stick, was what I wrote down, it was just gunning very aggressively for George early on. Then Jackie Glazer, more to come on Jackie. An early alignment with George, uh, but yeah, we'll get to Jackie. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've already seen the episode, so we'll get to Jackie in a moment. Who's next? Sorry, I lost my spot on my phone. Here we go. Oh, that was it. That was Those Were The Tribes. So then what I had next, Heroes Challenge Dominance. Heroes absolutely killing it in the challenges. I mean, they're a team full of, you know, on the surface and as it's presented as heroes, a team full of great people that can work together, work as part of a team, in contrast to the villains, which are like the opposite. They're not here to work together. That is like the last thing the villains have come to do is like work together. They are here to cause chaos. So it's really a case of cohesion for the heroes and they're just in sync with each other, performing really well. Uh, and poor performances from the villains, as you would expect on such a chaotic tribe. So that is definitely interesting. Over the first three episodes, heroes all over the villains. Villains losing numbers rapidly. But it's starting to look like, going into the next few episodes, things might just be going a little too well at the heroes. And we may see things boil over to the surface, uh, but in terms of the challenges, dominance from the heroes early on. Uh, yeah, we wrote, what else did I write? Positive aspects about returning players, uh, just the chance that they get a do-over. Like, and all of these players, they kind of understand that it's a show as well. Like, they're not just going to number up and make it really easy to the end and pick people off. These are all players that understand kind of the essence of Survivor. And when they had their first time playing, and even their second for someone like Shawnee, they just, they played with that bit of oomph. That's like, all right, come back, yeah? You shared that little something, come back. So yeah, it totally won me over in terms of the returning players. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, George and Haley on Talking Tribal last year. So they definitely have a relationship. They're very close outside of the game uh but look do they work together like that could be a huge twist that does make sense working together to get to the end i think that is a huge possibility if they make it that far but look there's the case of the narrative as well like no doubt george wants to get it over on Haley. he would love to vote her out and Haley knows that george is very sneaky and sly intelligent operator so I'm sure she's going to want to get him out at some point as well. So keen to see how that all plays out. Heroes Tribe, the morale's high early. I think Haley number one threat in the game as well. George was talking in the first episode saying like, I'm the you know, number one target out here. I don't believe that to be the case. I think Haley is. Um, she just seems like much more of a cunning strategic threat. I know George very kind of slept on because of the way he behaves. People don't give him sometimes the respect for his gameplay and how well thought out it can be at times. Uh, but Haley is just, she's next level. The challenge for Haley was getting past the first tribal. No former winner had ever done it. Haley's managed to clear that first hurdle. So that was a really good moment for her. Uh, I wrote Rogue. Yeah, Rogue was fucking, what the hell? She was just like, yeah, started acting real weird. She said to Nina at one point, I'm more African-American than you are, and you need to understand that. I was just like, what? Why would you say that? In, I'm like, on a tribe of heroes? One, I was like, why would you say that? In what situation is that okay? And I know it was just a snippet, so it's like, I try not to judge it too much, but I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, is Rogue a villain? I really think Rogue could end up being a villain 
on the tribe of heroes. And so like when she said that, I was like, what the hell? But I was also like, oh my God, I love it. Now we've got this heroes tribe. And that was not a very heroic thing to say. I started going, okay, okay. Now there's even some shit going down on the heroes tribe. I'm pumped. I am definitely pumped. And one thing I'll go back to as well in terms of the challenges. In the first one, George took a nasty fall, as did Jackie. Now they had this kind of like wheel... Ah, fucking, I can't even explain it, to be honest. Uh, I had birthday celebrations yesterday, so I'm actually a bit hungover. That's why I'm... I'm not hungover anymore, but just like... You know, you might not know, but maybe you know. Um, Anyway, anyway, I digress. Let's get back into it. Um, Jackie injured herself at the challenge, basically, and she's gone. She's gone. So, yeah, I just didn't go too into that in my notes, but Jackie did not look okay after the challenge. Like, it looked like she was going to go, but they didn't tell the villains tribe that she was going. Like, it hadn't been confirmed, and George hadn't come back, so there was the chance that potentially they could be down three players after the first tribal council. Now, when they get to tribal, uh, I loved this line from Anjali, first pancake always gets thrown in the bin. I was like, I love that. That made me laugh. I was like, that is hilarious. And Anjali actually got voted out first, and then she said it again. She was like, first pancake. She got thrown in the bin, and she like that was hilarious. Not in, Not in like a laughing at someone's failure, just like, just the first pancake gets thrown in the bin. That alone made me laugh, and then the fact that it was her that got thrown in the bin, and she handled it like a champion. But they got the option. JLP said, Jackie's gone. George, we don't know yet, so you could already be down two players. You don't have to vote tonight, but votes had already been cast. So he was like, you don't have to vote. And I love that because if they don't reveal the votes, I mean, they've at least made some gameplay happen. They've made some conversations happen. People have come to tribal with an idea of who they want voted out. Now the villains, they have to choose. Are they going to continue to vote someone out even though Jackie is already gone? And Sarah, Miss World Australia, she was the one who really put it in motion and was like, why don't we just... You know, rip the band-aid off. Why don't we just do it and vote someone out? Very villainous. I mean, it is the first tribal of the season. Does it put you at a major disadvantage? Yes. But again, it comes back, this is a television show. There's got to be a bit of an entertainment aspect. It's the first tribal. You are the villain's tribe. I loved it. And I was like, okay, Sarah, you have my attention, being the one that really vocalized that. They go on to vote Anjali out, first pancake, thrown in the bin, and Jackie also, I guess in the emergency bin, I don't know. Yeah, really rough fall. Unfortunate for Jackie as well, like to go out that way and not even get a chance to really get your feet wet in the game. Unfortunate, hopefully physically after that nasty fall, she's okay, and they just had to pull her out of the game just precautionary, things of that nature. But Anjali, first person officially voted out, and Villain's just making a huge statement. Like, I came into this first episode, again, as low as I've probably ever been on Survivor, just not sure. And I love Survivor, so it's like, of course I'm going to watch it. At this point, watching Anjali leave Tribal and just everything that had gone down, oh, it was so good. I was just like, I am back. This looks like it's going to be the best Australian season we have ever seen. That's the vibe I'm getting from it early. I'm enjoying it. I've got to say significantly more than the 26 day version of the US Survivor. And like Australia, the production, like there are some parts where I'm like, eh, you know, like I'm not huge on like the nicknames and stuff and some of it, but the production, they're throwing some different stuff out there. I'm enjoying it a lot on just the total like level of everything, production, casting, gameplay, scenery, everything, they've nailed it. So very, very happy with the Australian Survivor producers. 
first episode and first impressions, we saw Anjali get voted out. Phenomenal season episode, or season opener rather. And yeah, now Stevie, he's out for revenge on Shawnee as well. So I loved seeing Stevie, Anjali and Jackie gone from the game. Villains two down already. And now I've got the notes for the second and third episode. And this is a lot shorter. Uh, It was mainly the first episode that I was focusing on in this podcast. Uh, But going into the second episode, we see George make his return. Very dramatic return. He was crying. He was like, I thought I was, I thought I was done. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, okay. But he made his grand return in emphatic fashion as someone like George just loves to do, really. But he doesn't know. Michael and Simon are gunning for him. Michael especially aggressively, but Simon has created this idea that he wants revenge on George, even though I can't remember them having, like, any major issues or anything like that. Uh, But yeah, Simon, he just wants that scalp. George is back, but yeah, a lot of pressure early on. We also saw Liz and Shawnee, like I mentioned, very heavily featured in the first couple of episodes, Liz and Shawnee. They're calling themselves the Spice Girls, and they've brought George into the mix. Like, no one's talking to George. He is definitely on the bottom of the tribe, and Shawnee has identified that and said, like, this, I mean, if George goes, is Shawnee the one that they turn their attention to next? So she has made the really intelligent move of bringing George into the mix. And, I mean, someone who's desperate to stay in the game, they make for a good ally. Like, you can trust them because no one else really working with them. And it builds that trust in a game that is very heavily social as well as physical. Now, Liz is the wild card in all of this. And like I said, I just think she's got that X factor. Aligning herself with George and Shawnee It's an epic move. You've got two very, very deep strategic thinkers who've played the game before. Shawnee's played it twice. Like you would have so much wisdom imparted on you from Shawnee especially, but also George. Both of them have gone deep in the game. Shawnee goes deep both times she's played. So she has a wealth of experience. Liz is getting all of this whilst, while there are conversations going on, you would have to say people are going to have more urgency to get rid of a Shawnee or a King George before they look at someone like Liz. So that's why she's my initial pick to go on and win this. Uh, what else have we got? Michael. Michael got voted out. He did. He was just very aggressive on George, had just that target focus, only wanted George, wasn't willing to negotiate anything else. Now, George. The villains lost once again in the challenge, and his performance in the physical challenge as well as puzzles were brought into question. So they're like, you know, George, what, what are you contributing to keeping this tribe strong? But George, through the alignment with Shawnee and uh, what's her name, Liz, what's her name? My pick to win, Liz Parnoff, Olympic pole vaulter, the legend herself, um, and Geordie kind of had a hand in it as well, where he seemed like he could have gone either way, but he has a very strong relationship with Simon, but also there are indications maybe Geordie, Shawnee, George, Liz could all work on something. There's a lot to play out. I mean, it's very early on. It is such a fluid game in terms of the numbers. But yeah, second episode, Michael voted out. He was a journalist. He came out swinging, looking for the big hit got taken out early so yeah didn't get the chance to play his full game but like whatever I wasn't like I mean Fraser Lack it's another day for Fraser Lack so I mean I'm just happy any tribal that we don't see Fraser go so villains down to three players I mean down three players so excited I can't even speak English villains down three players early Jackie out from pretty much the get-go first challenge owns herself Then we see Sarah and the Villains Tribe decide, like, let's just vote Anjali out. Like, we've all come here. It was unanimous. It was one vote for Stevie from Anjali, and everyone else voted for Anjali. Even Stevie. People are bringing Stevie in, being like, brother, here's the plan. Like, we're all going to do this. So the call was made. They said, 
let's just rip the band-aid off. Like we've all made a decision here that we want her to go, so let's just let's just not waste any time. Then the thing that's really hurting them is their challenge performances. Villains dropping like flies. We see Michael gone skis, and the major talking point for me coming out of the second episode is the alliance of the Spice Girls, Shawnee, Liz, and George. So there we go, got through episode two fairly quickly, and only a few notes for episode three. Of course, after this, uh, today is Monday, so I think we've got another episode that's just released. I'm going to do it three by three. So after this, I, I haven't watched anything beyond episode three. Really keen to sit down and watch it. That podcast will be dropping... Uh, it'll be dropping. This is why I follow us on Instagram and not just a sports report and on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. And then that'll take all the grunt work out. You can just see when it's available. Spotify and Apple and all those things will just be like, here you go, it's ready. And you can just be like, how good. Now, episode three of Heroes vs. Villains. I wrote another note on Sarah, Miss Universe Villain, Loving it. I'm loving her contribution to the season a lot, as you can tell, and really enjoying the way she's embracing it and just been like, I'm a villain and I'm here to be a villain. And as a viewer, it's exactly what I want to see. Now, I wrote day six on the Villains Tribe at the start of episode three, so I mean, we're already pumping out a few days. That's almost like a quarter of the American season. Heinous when you think about it. I mean, heinous might not be the right word. George finds an idol. Big note from episode three. King George in possession of an idol. I'm not going to dive too deeply into that because I feel like there's going to be a lot to delve into from the next three episodes, episode four to six, over the next couple of days. So I like to see things play out. But George and Simon both finding idols. Two villains now with idols. That could have huge ramifications because now... It's not just a numbers game. There are two active idols in play, George and Simon, both massive players. This time, Simon, not going to make the same mistake of telling people about his idol. Last time he had two and was voted out. Was blindsided, got too confident. He's looking very confident now, though. And it's interesting. Will he fall into that same trap? It seems like he is determined not to. But he burns George's hat. And I am so excited to get into that. They end up voting out Mimi. So now another villain gone. Four villains. Back to back to back to back. Gone skis. I mean, this tribe looks in serious, serious trouble. And yeah, Mimi gets voted out. And it finishes with Simon burning George's hat. And I was like, this is exactly the kind of stuff I'm tuning in for. Just burned his hat. And then you see the little preview next time on Survivor. George is like, has anyone seen my hat? It's, ha ha. I was like, you will see me there. I cannot wait. That's why the notes for episode two and three weren't too long. Because I was like, I'm, I'm ready to get into more of this. So as you can tell, I'm absolutely loving the season. In terms of first impressions, I mean, it doesn't get much better than this. I am really, really high on this season of Survivor. Love the casting, the gameplay has been epic, and the narratives and storylines starting to form. We're seeing the villain's tribe dropping like flies. We're starting to see who's working closely together, what potential relationships could be unbreakable. Because there are some, like Shawnee and Liz, Shawnee has never written the name down of her closest ally. So we are starting to see some moves be made really early on as well. I'm so stoked. Coming into the season, not knowing what to expect, feeling a little bit like meh about Survivor. Thank you, Survivor Australia Heroes vs. Villains, because you just totally renewed my love straight away for the game. And Simon burning George's hat going into these next three episodes, that just sets the scene. That's like, all right, here was our first three episodes to get a taste of this season. And now, I mean, now shit is getting real. We've got burning of the hats. And Simon, he hasn't just burnt anyone's hat. He's taken the most dramatic player in the game. King George of Bankstown with his iconic signature hat. 
and Simon has burnt it. I mean, battle lines starting to be drawn. So now we head into these next three episodes. And I'm really pumped. I'm fucking super pumped, actually. So now I'm going to get into that. I've covered all three episodes. You've got my first impressions. And the more I've spoken about it and thought about it, the more I'm like, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to watch more. Stoked. So stoked. So yeah, first impression, love the season. Absolutely love the season. Got another three episodes to get into. And then in a similar format to this, uh, maybe a little bit shorter, I'll get through all the action from the week. What big plays are we going to see? What's going to happen with the burning of the hat situation? Are we going to see some blind sides? How are the numbers going to continue to shift? And what alliances are we going to see form? Can the villains win a challenge? Like a lot of narratives going into these next few episodes. And now there is nothing else to do but for me to get amongst it. And the faster I do that, the faster you can get amongst the next edition of the Survivor Heroes vs. Villains podcast. So for today, that has been it. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the season because early on, I definitely have. And now it's time for me to sink my teeth into the next couple of episodes. So I'll be back pretty shortly. Like I said, follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And on Instagram, we always post a graphic once we drop the podcast. So it's a great way to know as soon as it comes out, it'll be coming out thick and fast, hot and juicy as soon as humanly possible. So I'm going to go watch the next couple of episodes right now, or at least what's available to me. And let's continue to see how this plays out. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take care of yourselves.